Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from BBC Studios, the commercial subsidiary of the BBC. Hello and welcome back to Season 2 of the TalentWorks podcast. If you haven't listened to us before, TalentWorks is a production company within BBC Studios and it's aimed at identifying forward-thinking talent with whom it can partner. The podcast is presented by Helen O'Donnell and me, Brona Monaghan. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Amelia de Moldenberg is the brains behind the brilliant YouTube show Chicken Shop Date. Launched in 2014, the show's format involves Amelia going on first dates with grime artists, rappers, comedians and sports stars to chicken shops in and around London. She asks them about their childhood, relationships and careers. Do you like nuggets? Love them. You love them? Yeah, nuggets, turkey twizzlers, chicken wings, anything from Iceland, frozen range. Originally from and still based in London, Amelia studied fashion journalism at Central St Martins when she launched her YouTube channel. Prior to this, she had been writing a comedy column for an independent youth magazine called The Cut. In May 2018, she presented Channel 4 documentary Meet the Markles, in which she travelled to the US and interviewed numerous friends, family and past acquaintances of Meghan Markle. She has also appeared in a skit on The Big Nasty Show, and we recently had the pleasure of working with her in partnership with the BBC Writers' Room. Let's roll the tape. So, Amelia, you grew up in London, which is obviously a city that's full of inspiration. Um, who would you say were your comedic influences in your life? Was it people in your network or was it people that you saw on on TV or in films? Um, I guess, yeah, it was my friends were my biggest influences when I was growing up of funny people. I went to an all-girls school in central London and I just feel like all the characters that I met there, the people who were characters um, in themselves, um, inspired me. And I had a great group of friends and it was like a really, really mixed, diverse school with like so many different types of people from all different backgrounds. So I feel like that really sort of influenced um my comedy just sort of like um eavesdropping on conversations chatting to different people or just like being aware of of um the funniness of of real people which I feel like comes through in like a lot of my work that I do and were you always aware that you were funny um yeah obviously um (laughs) came out the womb (laughs) telling jokes no um (laughs) um well when I was at school I didn't really have many friends like at all when I began school um and also like I was like the library assistant so I'd like spend my um breaks and lunch in the library returning books and so maybe that was why I didn't have any friends but so I found that like my way into making friends was through being funny and my best friends that I have now like I can remember the exact moment when I met them in like class because I was like turned around and like told them a joke or like finish the end of something they were saying with like another little funny comment and they were like oh wait who who are you and (laughs) oh you're quite funny like 
you can hang out with us and I was like yes finally um so yeah I don't know I kind of always knew that my um I was funny as a way of like connecting with people. connecting with people yeah. yeah exactly and I'm not sure how many people know this about you but you studied fashion journalism at Central St Martin so what what was it about fashion specifically that interested you well, from growing up, I always wanted to be the editor of Vogue, um, like from when I was so young, because like, since I can remember, I had like scrapbooks where I would like rip out pages of Vogue and like write down like what I thought about the, the models, which is always like, this model's too ugly, <laughs> get a new one. <laughs> um, and other stuff, like what clothes I think they should be wearing and things like that. And so my mum always said like, oh, you should go to St. Martin's, like that is like the Oxbridge of fashion. And it's got such amazing alumni. So I feel like from a young age, that was always like my sort of thing. I'm going to go to St. Martin's. And I was interested in art too, being creative. I kind of knew that I wanted to like, maybe go to art school and do something like that. So that's how I started at St Martin's and I did the foundation there first it was very art heavy and like a lot of drawing and stuff and I'm really not artistic in that way at all but um one of the tutors told me that there was a new course starting that was fashion journalism they'd never done it before as a BA it was available as a master's course um so I was like great perfect this is a writing course which I um feel like is much suited more suited to me so that's why I studied fashion but like I'm so happy I did because fashion is a subject that um is connected to so many other subjects like you can connect it to well obviously I saw it as culture Mm -hmm. in general but you can connect it to politics to you know the environment um uh, business like everything and the way I approached my course was and the way our tutors approached our course was basically just like looking at journalism in a creative way which I don't think I would have been able to do if I studied English or uh journalism or yeah so I'm really happy I went there and I got to meet some incredible people like amazing design fashion designers like architects like graphic designers stylists like all these amazing creative people that we did projects with and I became friends with so yeah it was it was amazing place to be yeah I was gonna say what did you what did you learn there but I guess it is that further form of communication that obviously fashion is something you wear but it is Mm -hmm. another form of how people express themselves yeah definitely but as especially as we were like looking at through a journalism lens it was like storytelling but like uh around the world of fashion and the arts and creativity and and like our first project in in first year was to get into as many fashion shows at fashion week as possible like that was our first project did you get into well I was just like I'm too nervous to break in. <laughs> so I was like, I know, I'll intern, I'll work for free and that'll be my ticket in. So I so I emailed like a PR agency um, and I ended up like doing, doing the seats, showing people to their seats during shows. So I ended up like working on all those shows that the PR company did. So I was about like three shows. Yeah, and I ended up doing that the whole of through uni. But yeah, it's like influenced a lot of my work and like now I'm one of the ideas I've got going going I'm just writing up at the moment is to do with the fashion industry Mm -hmm. so there's so many incredible characters and people within fashion like I'm really interested in people and you know what there's what um yeah like I said before like just a natural person being themselves like can provide so much inspiration and can be so funny just naturally and then at what point did you start um, working for Cut Magazine? Yeah, so the Cut Magazine, well, not to be confused with the really famous one that's like in New York, <laughs> um, was a youth 
run magazine that was um, basically just for literally you could only be in it if you were under 21 and it was run out of a youth club in northwest london i got an email from my it teacher who knew i was really interested in like media studies and we didn't have a media studies course so um he said oh i found out about this um after school club basically uh do you want to go so i started going every wednesday after school and yeah that's how i started chicken shop day and basically what I owe everything to is that magazine and from your mouth what what is chicken shop day chicken shop day is a dating show set in a chicken shop um where I attempt to try and find love but my type is rappers only rappers really and how did it work in print first off because obviously it's, it started as, as a column yeah it started yeah. as a column in the magazine so it was literally like any friend or anyone I knew who was like a musician or had like made any sort of like sound um I would ask them if they wanted to come meet me in the chicken shop of their choice and I would just write like a little paragraph before where I would like talk about in a very sarcastic way, like my surroundings and like how my mom was like pushing me to go on these dates and how it was so romantic being in the chicken shop. And um, and then I would just ask them the, the same questions I'm asking the guests now. Uh, and then I would just literally write up their answers. And then I would like write my thoughts. So I'd like write down my thoughts. So then, so that they would reply and then I would write down like, I thought this was quite weird like so the or whatever so, the, so there's been some, a, a bit of a commentary the commentary almost, yeah, yeah exactly there was a commentary there and it was sarcastic as well so deadpan a deadpan commentary so yeah that's how I that's how they were written but they, it always stylistically had that deadpan voice to it which is why I think it stood out and like why people very very few people but like the few people who did read the um, articles like were really like big fans of it and like we're like this is really cool this is really different because it had that style from the beginning which is why when I decided to like turn them into a video um series five years ago I just was like okay I'm gonna be the same sort of vibe as I am on paper and also in the room but exaggerated even more can you remember what the first inspiration was for it well I really wanted to interview musicians just because um just because you know why would you wouldn't you want to like meet a musician and talk to them about what they do and and everyone at the magazine was like so into UK rap and grime and I really wanted to get in on the conversation like literally have something to talk about um every Wednesday and not sit there like a lemon um so I thought okay I'll interview the musicians and then I'll be able to like get in their head like know at least something so thought okay I'll do an interview series with musicians and then thought okay a great way to do this would be a date so I just wanted to like do something a bit different and thought that would be a cool way to do it uh the magazine was like also super like quirky and like really sort of pushed those like thinking outside the box kind of ideas and had a real good sense of humor then someone said you should go on a date where you would never go on a date to make it funnier um something we've been learning about a lot on this course actually like having that sort of juxtaposition or that like sort of turning something on its head automatically makes it funny like the fact that we're on a date in a chicken shop like that's the that's funny because you're not meant to be there and like neither of us are meant to be there um so that's sort of how the origins of the idea happened and is the character a version of you or is it a version of a journalist that you've made up 
in your head it's a version of me yeah for sure because i used to get told off at school for being like sarcastic all the time <laughs> and um and also people would always pull me up on stuff and it's even happened here like meeting new people like like are you really pissed off amelia like or are you really annoyed or what you're doing such weird things with your face or like like all these things and i would have no idea i was doing it and so i was like in a way i was kind of like no one likes to be told like personality traits that you don't think of weird and then they're like minding that so it's kind of like a you to like people who would like pull me up on that and I'd be like okay I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it even bigger and exaggerate those quirks of myself and what was the bread like what was the bread and butter of getting it filmed so when you first thought I'm gonna film this Mm. what was that process the process of filming it was quite difficult because like many people I had no idea how to film something or like I didn't have any camera equipment or I didn't know anyone who could film something like everyone in the magazine was just kind of like writing or photographer that there was no videographers or anything but I then was just had just been a runner on a music video and it was super low budget and everyone was doing it for favors and I was still 18 or whatever and so I'd met these camera operators and I was like great okay finally I've met someone with a camera who I can ask to film this so that's sort of when I realized okay now I can make the video because I'd met this guy Tom and he said yeah sure I'll rent a camera from like where I work I can like use them after hours he had another friend who would do the same and then Marvin who I've who's been my long collaborator from the beginning on Chicken Shop Day um he had just started a job as an in-house editor video editor so then he was like I'll edit them and I was like great so we've got everything we need um but it's not as simple as that because when you have no budget it's like like people dropping out like just loads of things I'd also blag my way into the shop at the beginning I wouldn't shut it I would still be open because I didn't have any money to shut it Mm -hmm. so then there'd be like all the noise from people like in the background and when I filmed the Chibuddy G episode guys kept he wasn't people just nothing wasn't even that big then but guys kept banging on the window and then coming in the shop and so we'd have to stop the recording and like luckily I know Asim who plays Chibuddy so he was like fine about it I was just thinking if this was just like somebody I didn't know, they'd be think it was so unprofessional. And it is. So when was the first time that you did it with someone who you didn't know that you, that, I mean, did you feel pressure? Yeah. So actually the column I'd been doing it with different people I didn't know. Um, But I guess that it was nice that the first one was with someone I kind of relatively knew, but like, I feel like I always get into this zone where I'm just in a zone when I meet them and I kind of don't think about it too much. Your character's on flapping. Yeah, I was so nervous before Sean Paul because I he's like the biggest star that I'd interviewed. And I was just like, he's obviously so gone to so many interviews and like probably has no idea about what the format is. And I only have half an hour with him. And and it was just super stressful. And we were in Wales and I was like so random. Um, and I also was just so convinced he wouldn't turn up, but yeah. And then once you, once I sit in the chair, I have to stop thinking about it and just just stop thinking about it. At what point did you see it start to pick up momentum? Probably after the Chibuddy G episode, um, because it was shared on Lad Bible. And then that I was like, wow, okay. So you can be shared on these digital platforms. And that was also when they started getting bigger and they weren't around before but before that I was just literally like posting it on my Facebook 
page like because the artists wouldn't even share them and still the art a lot of the artists don't share the stuff so it's just been so gradual like i said it's been five years now since the first video yeah and like even longer since the column so yeah it's after the shibali g episode i got like my first person came up to me in the street and like recognized me from it i was like oh wow so cool (laughs) um but yeah and then since then it's just been really gradual i guess i then think after the crept in conan episode last year or the year before um that was when i feel like it was even a bigger thing but then it's only been like in the last year really that it's been that it's like taken off i guess and do you is there a world outside of that scenario like would you like to develop that format further are there other characters that you can imagine in it or yeah maybe like I really don't and chicken shop day isn't the only thing I do like it and I don't want it to be and I want it to end (laughs) soon um (laughs) because I like want to end on a high and I I don't want to do it forever and I'm already doing so many other things but like definitely there's like another world where like Amelia from chicken shop day could exist and like I'm got some ideas and development at the moment where I think it could could go in terms of like still including the musicians because that is just something that I've always again and again like want to come back to and I love music so much and just I just feel like there's such a space there's a void where pop world left there's a yeah so there's a space I think for like really cool factual entertainment revolving like pop culture and music and I just don't think it's been done right yeah there's so many amazing people like doing loads of like small things online but there's not like a a big tv show that's like captured um that there were well i was on don't hate the players this show on itv2 um last year which was pretty cool and it was a like a hip-hop game show type thing and that was fun that's it it's there just needs to be more slots to promote emerging musicians because i guess you've you've got your jules holland and you've got maybe that, yeah. that one slot on graham norton but it, it's nice for artists to have something that's a bit different yeah and also that's funny like yeah that was why i started chicken shop day it was because there was like gr- loads of music interviews but like there wasn't anything really that was funny anymore or like where people weren't taking themselves seriously that's why i hope i do with chicken shop day is like the whole thing I'm trying to get out of it is like showing a different side to the artist you know showing them being vulnerable or showing them being funny um just something that's not this sort of media trained glaze and I don't ever speak to them really about their music (laughs) was was pop world quite an inspiration yeah like pop world is like one of my biggest inspirations Simon Amstel like um Makita Oliver even with Alex Chung is great um, I loved that so much. Do you feel that to ban the hoodie is against uh, human rights? Yeah, it is, because, you know, like, you got to think back in time, yeah, like, all the, the, the monks and whoever wore hoods. The monks, they, they wore a lot of hoods. Yeah, they wore hoods, yeah. No-one had a problem with it then, and it's like... And know, what next? The polo neck? Probably. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They say a recurring thing that we like to ask every guest on season two, which is talent or works. So is there a specific talent or a piece of work that has like been really integral to your sort of to inspire a new? Yeah, I'd have to say it was the Simon Amstel <laughs> interview with the Kooks. Like, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's on YouTube and it's so funny. He like pretends to be their therapist and just the questions that he's saying to them and they just like have no idea and it's just so perfect and so awkward and so like you're like oh my god like just the fact that you've just never probably seen an interview like that with your favorite musician is just so cool and he's so deadpan and brilliant um I love that and Between Two Ferns with Zach Kalifanakis is incredible too um I love uh Lamar from Afar from Pop World <laughs> What? Have I haven't seen, seen that. Oh, Obviously, I know who Lamar is. It's so, so simple. It's Simon Amstel at one end of the street, <laughs> Lamar at the other end, and they're doing. They're conducting the interview with. Um, See, pr- brilliant. So brilliant. Wait, yeah. what do I mean? These things. Megaphones. 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 Oh my god! And it was called Lamar from afar. <laughs> that is so. See, that is so good. And then I watched this other one I found on YouTube where he was with um, Amy Winehouse when she yes! was first nominated yes! for her Brit Award, and That's she's going favorite. around Camden like being like. Who wants to vote for Amy Winehouse? And nobody knows who she Jama- is. Jamelia. Yeah, Jamelia. <laughs> so good. <laughs> society. I don't know what I'd do if I met him. I'd be like, boom, oh my God. Um, so I've read on. I've read online that you've you've said you've received. Well, you you feel like you receive a lot of scrutiny because you're a female character. Yeah, I feel like this has been exaggerated because. Maybe I said it like it something one context, time. Um... No, as in I said it once, but I feel like it's because people always ask you like, how do you feel like as a woman, like in the industry? But then also it is true that I did receive a lot of scrutiny when it began. Yeah. Um, Chicken Shop Date began because I feel like it was sort of like quite, came out of nowhere and people were so used to seeing a chatty, bubbly presenter and I wasn't that. And also the majority of like female presenters that are on telly are like like very made up and like yeah sort of barbies and i'm not like that so i think a lot of the comments were like can you get someone better looking um to present this and i was like well um you're talking to me i'm the producer and the director and the host and the answer is no <laughs> and, uh so yeah but now all the all like the nor- the majority of the comments i got on chicken shop date are like really super positive because i just think it's been five years now so it's like yeah <laughs> get it i'm not i'm not i'm i'm different in that way but Sorry, I butted in on what your question even was. No, no, no. I was just, it's, it's something that Helen and I talk about a lot because we're big fans of comedy genre and you you don't see a huge amount of, of women doing online comedy and we just sometimes wonder, is it because of trolling? You know, is that just something that... Yeah, definitely. Especially on YouTube. Yeah. Like on YouTube, it's like vast majority of like guys who comment on the videos, it's all men. Like my, um, my audience is like 70% men. 
um, boys, probably teenagers, children. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like I've like drilled it into them. I've been there consistent in my character that I feel like now I've just proven like, this is me, this is me, <laughs> this is the character. And I think people get it now. And I, I, I see it when I do stuff with Vice. Obviously Vice, the comments and Vice, every Vice video are just horrendous anyway. But like my stuff I do for Vice, I get the most vile vile comments but it's mainly about my presenting style not my appearance or like anything but it's it's my style and i and i know that all the men they don't get it they, they don't just get misunderstand that. They don't. the point they, they don't and the, the but the, the men presenters on vice they don't get that um kind of thing like why uh why is she so weird like she should have she should be nicer to to the people or all these different different things that they say that are super gendered and i'm and and so yeah my I whatever I like I the I have this um comment someone said on chicken shop date video which was um what um she's two butters to be acting so prestige and I now have it on t-shirts so that I that's my that's my my merch so like I just think you have to take those comments and just you need to own them and then they just make you feel in a way they like make you feel better because you're like look at me I'm still doing it I'm still me and this comment doesn't mean anything yeah just take their idiotic comments and make it your own yeah also two butters to be acting so prestige is a great line (laughs) (laughs) and so we we're here this week on um on a writer's retreat um with with talent that really are self-starters in the comedy genre so I mean comedy has evolved a lot since the time of sourcing people from Cambridge and Oxford and and it's now turning to much more of a diverse um network uh how how important do you think it's been for you that you've owned this start of your career like you are a self-starter totally like 100 percent. it's so important but to be honest it kind of came from a place that I wasn't being allowed on on the traditional play like broadcasters like I pitched chicken shop day and like nobody wanted it and I I feel like I would have happily have just like done it on channel four or or whatever or like been asked to do that but you know it it came from that place where I you know I, I was getting doors shut in my face even though I was only in school um <laughs> but still it's like you want to do something and and um people say no so you just have to do it yourself which is what I think everyone here and all creators who have done something is probably yeah it's probably why they're doing it but it's been amazing to be able to have my own show and I really don't take it for granted at all because I know there's so many young people who are in the entertainment industry who have never had something of their own and they've always been like a small cog in like a big machine of so many other producers directors like having a having a a say in what they're doing and with chicken chop date and the other stuff that I've I do I'm like the creative director of it like I have full control in like who the guests are. I produce it myself. I like do all the talent booking myself. I like, I'm in the edit every day that we're in the edit. Um, and I do all the promo and everything myself. So I'm firstly, I'm like now can do like loads of different jobs and I understand how those things work. But also, yeah, it's amazing to have something that is yours because I think you can get so deflated when you have a great idea and then it just gets sort of distorted into something that you don't even know anymore because of the amount of people that have say in it um yeah 
And at this week, is there anything that you've taken away? Yeah, like this week has been incredible. There's been so many amazing classes and sessions that we've done. Like it's been so practical, which has been so great because I'm someone that really like feeds off that like practical learning. So uh, us having these incredible comedians and writers come in and then do classes where they teach us something and then they go okay go off and do it and then we share it is like for me that's how I love to learn so it's been it's been great and also just you realize how much of comedy is about templates and structure that have existed for years so you're just so it's not what this week has done is like made me feel like comedy is like so much less daunting than I thought it was it's also given me loads of tools to make my comedy and my jokes better it's inspired me because it's amazing to be around people who have such like passion for like what they do and also it's just been really nice to be able to talk to people about work because none of my friends do this job and I never get to talk to people about comedy writing or like ambitions in that way that's like you that you get when talking to someone who has the same same ambitions as you so I was talking to Emma Gannon and she, I said, we haven't spoken about anything that is not writing this whole time. I haven't spoke, I don't know about anyone's personal business, which is crazy because I just feel like you spend so much time like in the pub, like just talking about two friends who have like got together on the weekend and they shouldn't have. And, <laughs> you know, so it's just refreshing really. So yeah, I've, I've learned so much. It's been great. And it's also, I was super nervous about coming because I was like everyone's going to be so much more experienced or like so much funnier than me or better at writing than me and just the fact that I've been able to like stay at the level of everyone no one's been better than anyone else like everyone's just been on the same level and that's just great in itself like knowing that you can keep up and one of the overarching or sort of things that we keep hearing is that comedy is most of the time comes down to voice and you have a very specific voice yeah and that can take people like years to find that's been so nice to hear as well is like again another big thing that we've learned is like how there's so many stories and shows if you boil it down to like what the nuts and bolts of the show is very similar nothing really original quite generic but it's the voice it's the person telling the story that like is the big thing and everyone everyone has that just naturally so it's about honing that voice which I'm really happy that I have already and I didn't even know that would be such a important thing. So it's made me feel a lot more confident. So uh, what would you like to achieve in the future? What are your, what's next? Um, I'd like to get Drake on Chicken Shop Day, which will happen. I've been what, trying where, very hard. Where are, you, where are you at on that? Oh, well, I went to the show twice. I like now know people who know him. Like, I feel like I'm like two degrees of separation from him. I've spoken to his label. Like, I'm really deep into this whole thing of Drake getting a date with Drake. But um, I just think I need to meet him. I think if I met him, even if it was at a party, then that's my in. He just needs to meet me. Definitely watched it. Would, would you end on Drake if you get yeah, Drake? Yeah. Is that that's why I want Drake so I can stop doing Chicken <laughs> Shot Day? <laughs> um, no, there's so many people I want to get on, like Jay Huss, Giggs, um, Steph London, like so many people. Um, but so I want to get Drake and then retire Chicken Shop, and I want to think of a new interview format. Um, I want to think of a factual entertainment program which I host. Um, and I want to write a comedy that maybe I'm not even in. All really achievable goals. Yeah, and I, I want, yeah, save the world. 
stop global warming. Yeah, same. <laughs> world peace. World peace. I'm really excited for what you're going to do, Amelia. Like, oh, thanks. You, have, you do have an incredible sense of self, like a really like strong voice. Yeah, I hope. Oh, thanks. I yeah, I'm just trying to be like not like anyone else. That's what I'm. That's what motivates me is like to be as ungeneric as possible. So like, if I see some things done away, I'll just try and subvert it. Um, which maybe is how I've crafted this voice. You'll look back in this moment when you're like clinking glasses with Drake and think, <laughs> remember, remember when we didn't know each other? Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> no, I live with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks very much for chatting to us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about us, we're on Instagram at BBC Studios Talentworks. This podcast is produced by Shola Aledje for BBC Studios. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.